0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Go. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. All right, you ready? I oh, am. Yeah. Are more than three of you ready? Yeah. All right, that's a little bit better. Church in the Wild, we're going to be doing Church in the Wild again in fall. Who is church for? Maybe it's not who you think it's for, because you think it's for you. <laughs> no? <laughs> All right, church in the wild. It's going to be awesome. Um, welcome to our series, Science, Suffering, and Other Problems with God. This is part four. Science v. God. Science v. God. Our science and God opposed to each other. Um, now, we have a baptism coming up. We have set the date. I have commitment issues, but we have set the date of our baptism. What is the date of our baptism? June 24th. There <laughs> go, my handlers. Thank you. Uh, June 24th. So, if you're on the list to be baptized, if, you're on, if you think you might be on my list to be baptized... Come and talk to me because I would come in and talk to you and it's just easier if you come to talk to me. And so um, if you need to get baptized or you just want to see how close you are to that, um, listen, if you're getting baptized, everybody who's been baptized, understand it's a fight before and it's a fight after. But listen, if the devil can't keep you from a commitment to Jesus privately, he'll definitely try to keep you from a public one. But there's only grace to obey. There is only grace for you in the kingdom of God if you obey, and then grace comes and is sufficient for your trouble and is sufficient for your circumstance. So what we need to do is quit telling God when, it's, we're allowed, when we should get baptized, when we're ready to get baptized. The thing is, you will never be ready to get saved. You will never be ready to get baptized. You will never be ready for anything that God wants you to do uh, because you think that it's about you and what you're, you can do. And it's just not. <laughs> it's about what God and what God can do, and you got to give them the seed of obedience. So anybody that you know is getting baptized on June the 24th, you need to support them and pray for them and be like, no, this is happening. We are going to make this happen for you uh, and, and get involved in their lives and just you know, find out the trouble that they're, that they're dealing with in their lives, and let's pray. It always comes in a time of conflict and tension. You have to understand that. Listen, salvation is free, but everything else will cost you. Sorry to break it to you like that, but it's like, it's like that. Everything else is going to cost you. So let's get on board with uh, the baptism, help out our baptism people. Um, I don't think that there's probably a more powerful time than when we show baptisms or when we do baptism. So if you know somebody who's like on the edge of Christianity or totally out of it, if they see your life change, then that's the best thing for somebody. If they can watch somebody else's life change and they see you uh, themselves in your story and they're like, actually, that could be me. Actually, that could be me. And so let's give them a bit of courage and and, uh, help them. And let's dig deep for the baptism. Last week we talked about, could the Bible actually be true? Was it good? If you missed it, because it was May long weekend and all you sinners were out camping... (laughs) No, listen, there was just a special anointing on the house last night. You need to get in on that one. Is the Bible true? If you've already solved that for yourself, or if you've already solved in your own heart that science and God are not opposed to each other, you've walked down that road, let's remember this is not all about you, because somebody in your life needs to answer these questions in their lives. Can the Bible be believed? Why do Christians believe the Bible? It's super important, and it's a question that if you're not church, you're asking. And so tonight we're talking about science v. God, science v. God. Are science is, is fact-based science diametrically opposed to faith-based religion? It is a Canadian's number one problem. It is the thing above any other thing that keeps a Canadian from coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Are they opposed with each other It's going to be awesome. But here's the thing. Is it either or or could it be both and? That's what we're going to look at today. Could it be both and? Maybe there's more evidence in in science that points us towards a god than away from one. But... Would you, because everybody's secretly on a side here. So if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God or you're not sure or whatever your story is, or you're a Christian, you're secretly hoping that I'm going to give you evidence that backs up what you already believe because everybody already believes something. You have a system of beliefs. Saying I don't believe in anything is your system of beliefs. I don't believe in anything. If you're a skeptic, if I can say this, if you're a skeptic, I'm going to step on your toes and it's going to hurt a little bit. You just want to tear down everybody else's house. But your, your skepticism lands you in a place of zero commitment to anything. That's what a skeptic is. We just don't believe in what you believe. But you don't believe in anything yourself. So you land in this place where you don't have to do anything. Nobody holds your feet to the fire. Why? Because you don't believe in anything. That is your system of beliefs. So let's dig down and see if the evidence points towards God or points away from God. But can we follow the evidence where the evidence goes? That's the question that I would have for you. Or even if you have a faith in Jesus, is your faith strong enough to see where the evidence goes? Because we believe that Christianity will stand any test of time, any criticism, anything. We, we believe that. That's why we're Christians. But maybe that's not your story yet. But follow the evidence where it goes. My, my mom and dad were having a fight in the grocery store the other day. I'm going to call it a fight. I don't know if they ever really fight or not. Aaron and I fight. We could show you how to f- have a fight in a grocery store. <laughs> we always have a fight when we're shopping for groceries together. That's why we don't shop for groceries together anymore. But um, my mom and dad, they were in the, in the line. And my mom says, Richard, why did you get that box of cookies? If it sits in the pantry, I'm going to eat them. Put them back. And dad's like, I want the cookies. I just, I don't want to put them back. I want the cookies. And mom's like, you put the cookies back, because if, if I got them, I'm going to eat them. In the pantry. And they, they're having this, like, discussion. Is that, is that what you have? Is that what you call call a fight? We had a discussion. And then this girl in front of them, this young gal, turns, turns around, I think it was in front of them, turns around and says, hey, why don't you, why don't you just buy the cookies and then she looks at dad, why don't you buy the cookies and just hide them in your garage? And mom looks at dad and they, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so they got the cookies and him in the garage. And we heard about this at, at a dinner that they had at their place the other night. And, and then dad says, this is the funniest part. He's like, yeah, and I caught her in the garage looking for the cookies <laughs> once too. <laughs> I super love that. <laughs> Listen, it's sort of like that. As we talk about science, and as we talk about the evidence for a God, you've got to follow the, where the evidence leads. So the evidence, the cookie crumbs might lead out to the garage where you're not expecting to find cookies. Or you could sit in the pantry surrounded by no cookie crumbs and empty cookie boxes, but that's not where the cookies are. What if the evidence leads you away from where you're expecting it to lead you from? Would you be open to it? I wonder if you would. Now, this sermon is called Science V, God. That V in a court case, did you know this, that if it's like Smith versus Jones in a a court case, that this is how we say it now, like versus. That's what the V stands for. But in the Latin, and I ripped off so much of my material for this series from Kerry Newhoff, great Canadian leader, and Mark Clark. uh, Kerry Newhoff series, who ripped his material off of Mark Clark, just to be accurate, (laughs) who I'm ripping off the both of them. So it's like a double negative, and you can just treat it like I, I came up with all this, but, but I didn't. But Kerry Newhoff, before he was a pastor um, of a great church called Connect Church, before he was a pastor, he was a lawyer. And he said in the Latin, the word V in a court case, like Smith versus Jones, it doesn't actually stand for versus. In the Latin, it stands for and. So science V God. What if it's and? What if it's both and, and they're not opposed with each other at all? What if they're not against each other at all? It's something to consider. I think that it's science and God. And would you be open to that? See, we get into this place where if you grew up, even if you grew up in a church family, it was like believe, believe, believe. And not a lot of us grew up in very intellectual churches. And I, let me just, look, I'm not bad-mouthing the church. It's just we heard a lot, believe, 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 believe. Well, what happens if you have questions? What happens if you have doubts? Are you allowed to ask them? Is this a place where we can ask them and is the faith that comes from God, is it without doubt or is it in the midst of doubt? Is it only in good times or is it also in very hard times? I think that faith is built in the midst and wrestling with doubt and wrestling with questions about God. Is it both and, I wonder. But then you get to university and then your life starts going and then you start finding out that it's expected that, that you start hearing about science and and. God, And if you grew up in a church family or a Christian home, then you get out to this place where you realize, like, oh, if I believe in science, now I can't believe in God anymore. I don't know if anybody went that road, but, you know, the university scene is not super favorable towards God. But then we get into this place in life where it's like very smart people believe in science and very stupid people who need a crutch believe in religion and have a religion. Let's dig into it. Now, science v. God. Plato said this. There are two things that lead men to believe in God. The argument for the existence of the soul. We've talked about that. The morality of man. Somewhere you will draw a line of morality. If you came from an animal, why would you do that? There's something inside of you that is breathed into by God. Not all of you looks like God, but there's something inside of you that comes from God. If a baby falls down, you're going to help the baby. Why would you do that? If, you're, if it's if survival of the fittest, you wouldn't care. you survive, Right? But it's, he also says, and the argument from the order of the motion of the stars. There are two things, the inner morality of man, but also the stars, also the universe as it is. Let's follow the evidence scientifically that may actually point you towards a creator and not a way. In the, the medical system, I got a friend who's a doctor. He's got to be very careful, but there's this story that I heard that a nurse in an operating room was told by the surgeon, look, you might be a Christian, but you can't bring that into here. So you keep your faith out at the door. And, and in here, though, this is what we're dealing with. And so in the school systems, you see this sometimes in the hospitals. Like, you might believe in Jesus, and that's cool for you, but don't you ever bring that in here. And yet, an operation went bad, and what happened was the, the man on the operating table died. And the nurse heard the surgeon say, well, just to comfort his team, well, at least he's not suffering anymore. And she realized, I have to check my beliefs at the door, but what about his beliefs? He's making a massive assumption that this man dying is putting an end to his suffering. But what if there is an afterlife, and, and what if the only ticket to be with God in the afterlife is to be adopted into his family in this life. If the claims of Jesus are true, there's no other way to get there except for coming under the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, forgive me for my sins. Cover me. I want to be adopted into your family. Now, here's the beauty about that. Every person you know has adoption papers already signed, They just don't know that they need to be adopted and that they're already adopted. Forgiveness has already happened. They just haven't received it. And that's why we started Venue Church because you bring them in. They find out, wow, there's forgiveness waiting for me. It can't be deposited. You see, it's it's in this holding account, but it can't be deposited until you actually admit that you're a mess. And that's the scandal of the gospel. You have to wrestle with your sins and realize that your sins separate you from God. But in this here, the nurse actually realized that's his faith system. How come he gets to bring that in here? To make everybody feel better? What if that's not going to make everybody feel better if they swallow that and it's not true? What if walking into the next life separated from God is just the beginning of suffering? Well, now we've got a problem. Science v. God. I don't think that Einstein was a Christian, but he did believe that there was an afterlife. We have this, this myth that very smart people believe in science and can't believe in God. But 65% of Nobel Prize winners are professing Christians. That doesn't seem to hold up there. Would you call them smart people? The smart of me. Yeah. Hmm. Follow the evidence where it leads. The question of God's existence exists outside of physics, and we've just briefly touched on this. Now, I can't go through every scientific argument tonight in the next three hours. Three. I, can't. I can't. All I got is three hours. <laughs> But there's physics, which is science, which you can observe and what you can measure in the universe. But then there's this other place called metaphysics, which is an area beyond physics that, that could explain the why of physics. Now, now, Stephen Jay Gould, a Harvard professor and the most celebrated atheist, evolutionary biologist and paleontologist and historian of science of the last generation said this. So he, his, he followed the evidence and where he landed was not... In a religious place. He landed in atheism, which is I don't believe in that there is a God. But this is what he said to his colleagues and what he said for his colleagues. He said, nature just is, and I'm quoting, and we cannot use nature for our moral instruction or for answering any question within the magisterium of religion. To say it for my colleagues and for the umpteenth millionth time, this is like mom in a car turn around like, I'm going to break your legs if I got to come back there. (laughs) He's saying this. He's saying, for, I'm, I'm saying it for everybody here. And all y'all need to shut up to say it for the umpteenth millionth time. Science simply cannot, by its legitimate methods, adjudicate the issue of God's possible superintendence of nature. We neither affirm or deny it. We, cannot, we simply cannot comment on it as scientists. He's saying, we're in the realm of physics. This is metaphysics. It might superimpose the whole thing. As scientists, this is our realm. For us to speak over here, we don't know what we're talking about. The most celebrated guy in his day supporting that. And yet, he landed on something that I would consider extremely, you have, I mean, it's got to push your, your thinking around. He argued for the NOMA principle, the, the idea that science and the question of God's existence are non-overlapping, and I'm quoting, non-overlapping magisterial authorities. But then you run into the preachings of Richard Dawkinson, who said, and I quote, Faith is like a mental illness, a great cop-out the excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Sam Harris, and I quote, we have names for people who have beliefs for which there are no rational justification when their beliefs are extremely common, we call them religious. Otherwise they're likely to be called mad, delusional, or psychotic. There are hyper-intelligent people on either side of this equation. There are people that are much smarter than I am that can talk to you about this. Like these men, <laughs> this is where their science led them. Yet evolutionary theory says this, there's really four reasons that you're here and four motivators for your life. And the first one, they're called the four F's. The first one is feeding, which means this is why you ate the entire bag of Doritos and then got another bag of Doritos because you don't know where the next meal is coming from. Survival of the fittest, eat, gorge yourself with Doritos. That's what evolutionary psychology would say. The second one is fleeing, which means that when you're out walking and it's dark and you hear a low growl, you freak out. Survival of the fittest, man, run. <laughs> Just go over. The third one is fighting. And fighting is like, you come at me, I'm coming at you. <laughs> it's our natural tendency to survive. And the fourth one, the fourth F is reproducing. <laughs> Fornication. Y'all, what were you thinking? Come on, you need more Church. Reproducing, which means I don't care if you're with her, I need to reproduce. And this is what would, would motivate us as evolutionary, as evolving creatures in survival of the fittest. Now, according to this thinking and according to this whole idea, religion is just an aberration that helps us get by with life because truth takes a backseat to survival, which means that, that your religion is fine for you because it's a coping mechanism. You do it to survive, and that's fine, because you're weak and you need it. You're not smart and you need it. For me, I have science. I don't need that. You need it, but I don't need it. If the four F's are the only motivating factors in the human race. It's fine, you're just doing it to, you're just doing it to get by. You have a hard year, you have a hard day, just do it to get by. But is Christianity anti-intellectual? We need to get beyond like the TV shows with like stereotypical Christians on it because it's super embarrassing. (laughs) Kind of funny too, I'm not gonna lie. But we need to get beyond like society's stereotypes here. Did you know that the university is a 12th century Christian invention? So don't park your brain at the door. Jesus himself said this, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. All of it. Jesus is like, you're not smarter than me. I can actually handle it. We could connect intellectually. It, it's, it's like me talking to like a kindergarten kid or worse. But like there's some sort of like connection for your mind in Christianity. But did you know that Princeton, Yale, Harvard, and Brown began as Christian institutions? It was the Christian world that brought these things into existence back in the day. The Christian world was light years ahead of the world around it in its day, as you can see. Here's another question. Isn't science about thinking and evidence, reason and rationality? And therefore, isn't Christianity about evading, avoiding, in irrational thinking? But what if faith and reason are not opposed to each other at all? Here's something to think about. What if Christianity is the more rational worldview? See, the theory of evolution attempts to claim observable, but sometimes unrepeatable, data. Which is not super scientific. We're going to talk about the Big Bang in a second, but observable, like we can see kind of what happened, but we can't, could never repeat that in a lab or measure it. That's not super scientific. How can what can't be repeated be measured? Now for this year, when I was taking my electrical training, we, we had labs that we would set up and, um, and we would hook up wires to things like motors. You all track with me? Yeah. Everything in your life runs by electricity. Should I start back at the basic? Okay. So what we do, you'd always hope at the beginning of the year you'd get a good lab partner because um, you do half of the work. So one guy would be doing this, Warren knows what I'm talking about, one guy would be doing uh, the drawings and the other guy would be doing the hookups. And so my lab partner, um, one year I had a bad lab partner which means I ended up doing most of the work and he was super sketchy on his wiring hookups. And so you'd have like 30 or 40 wires all hooked into contactors and motors and transformers or light bulbs or whatever you were hooking up at the time, contactors and relay circuits. And so you'd have all these wires hooked up and, and you had to follow the wiring diagram. And one time my lab partner says, okay, ready. And I was sitting by the switch. Now I was doing the drawing and he was doing the hookups. And so I was sitting by the switch and, and I'm like, you ready? I, was, I didn't really super trust him, but he seemed confident. I'm like, okay, fire in the hold. Click, boom. Now, we have this thing in in the electrical field, if you don't know. We say it like this you gotta keep the smoke in stuff. Because if you let the smoke out, it doesn't work anymore. (laughs) So keep the smoke in motors, keep the smoke in the light bulb, keep the smoke in the transformer. If it goes out, it's no good to anybody anymore. Now, we didn't even get a chance to blow up the load in this place because it was hooked up so poorly. It just created like the harshest dead short that you could create. And we figured out how many amps we tried to send through this. What we found in testing out that was the motor or whatever it was, everything was okay because the power hadn't even got that far yet. It blew up the wire. Like the wire and the solder connection right there, it just blew the whole thing apart. Now, here's the thing about about a lab and, and science. When you're in a lab... You can recreate the same thing if you do the same thing. So the same data input will give you the same result every single time. That's science. That's measurable. That's, that's accurate science. And so if we hooked it up in the same way, it would blow the next solder apart if the solder was the same. And if the wire was the same and the hookup was the same. And my lab partner was the same. It would do that. But enter the Big Bang Theory. Now, now here, here we go. With the Big Bang Theory, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this didn't happen. I'm just saying what we have here is we're trying to observe the after effects of the Big Bang Theory. But they'll tell you, look, you could never recreate that. The chance of the Big Bang Theory happening is 10 to the power of 138. If it was a hair out, this doesn't happen. None of this happened if the Big Bang Theory is to be true. This is extremely chancy and extremely random. But a true scientist would say, we can't actually measure that because we could never recreate that. There's whole areas that we can't recreate and study. All we can observe is way over here, but we don't know how this all happened. But we know that it was delicate and complicated. I like that. Here's what we found out from, now maybe the electrical engineers who always think they know more than us. See, we actually had to hook stuff up, and if it blew up, we blew up. So we know something about electricity. I'm just taking a shot at engineers right now, I don't know why. Um, but listen, listen. Here's what we heard over and over again in our training from guys who'd been in the trade for decades, and we actually had a pretty good working understanding of electricity. We were told over and over again, listen, all we know is what it does and how some of it works. We still don't know how ele- why electricity actually does what it does. They're just theories. We can observe this, but we can't observe really why. Not really. Like, nobody really knows why this is happening. But we can observe that, okay, if we do this with it, then this happens. So we think that it's kind of like this. But it's not like, which is, it leads to this. Some people don't come to Jesus because they're like, I want everything to be objective. I want to be able to study it. But anywhere that you land, there's something that's subjective that can't be measured that will cause you to land there. Whether you believe in God, whether you don't believe in God, whether you believe you're answerable to God or not whether you believe that you're just here by accident, whether you're here just for the four Fs, whatever you believe, there was something subjective that got you there that you can't actually measure. And you have to understand, you already have a belief system, but do you have the right belief system? Why is the universe so intricately balanced? Physics can't answer that question. It can't say if there was a force who or why. But whatever begins to exist, has a cause. And when the Big Bang Theory came out, it messed up not the Christian community, but the atheist community, who had claimed before that the universe always was. But the Big Bang Theory says it began. But what if something outside of space and time had to create it in the first place? An award-winning scientist, Francis Collins, who mapped the human genome, smarter guy than I am, so you should listen, he says the Big Bang cries out for a divine explanation. It forces the conclusion, I quote, that nature had a defined beginning. He says, I cannot see how nature could have created itself. Only a supernatural force that is outside of space and time could have done that. You can't explain nature inside of nature, he's saying. Nature didn't come from nature. There's some other force exerted to it that changed it to bring it to where it's at right now. Listen, if gravity was out, one iota, planets would crash into other planets, and what is holding all of these things into this delicate balance? There is something, is it an accident? What in your life what what sort of chaos creates order in your life? Throw a grenade in a library and see if you get a whole new set of encyclopedias. Just think rationally about these things. Is there an outside force that caused these things to be? Here's a myth: a scientist scientific community does not believe in God. Have you heard that? I have. Well, nobody who's smart, no scientist actually believes in the existence of God. I hear this all the time. No, 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 smart people don't. It's just a crutch. No, no, the scientific community, there's no scientists who actually believe in God. The American Association for Advancement in Science, so scientists, can I just be very clear about this? A group of scientists decided they wanted some information, so they polled themselves. This is what came out of this. believed in a form of higher power, right out of the gate. 7% were agnostic, they weren't sure. So it turns out in the minority of all of them, the minority was atheists. And 31% of them believe in a personal God. But, But here's what was shocking to us is that the soft scientists were largely evolutionary psychologists and things like that. That's where the whole evolutionary concept was in the soft scientists of psychology and things like that. But in the hard scientists of astronomy and physics and biology, the hard scientists, the numbers went way up for belief in a higher power. Like way up in the observable sciences. The more time they spent in science, the more of them came to this realization there is something else out there that all of this came from. So don't ever listen to like, well, scientists don't believe. No, no, actually, most of them do. Most of them actually do believe that there is a God. There is, and so many of them believe in a personal God. It's and. It's not versus. It's and. But we keep hearing that fact-based science is, is at war with faith, faith-based religion. Is it? Just because somebody says that to you doesn't make it true. Listen, um, do you, have you ever heard of the, the Hubble Space Teles- Telescope? Yeah. I hope so. I'm just like, I'm giving you like a freebie. So, you, you know, your neighbor doesn't think that you live under a rock. <laughs> the Hubble Space Telescope. Okay. The guy who succeeded Hubble was a man named Alan Sandage. Now he was, he was seen as the greatest cosmologist of the 20th century in his lifetime. I get that word mixed up with cosmetology. Is that the one with the lab in the theater with like the severed mannequin heads and the hair and the makeup and stuff? Not the same thing. Not the same thing. <laughs> This man uh, was a successor to, to Hubble, um, who created the Space Telescope. And in his day, he was the greatest cosmologist of the 20th century. And he is quoted as saying this, It is my science that drove me to the conclusion, because he didn't begin in faith. He didn't believe, begin in a faith with, uh, to Jesus Christ, but he said, It is my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. One of the brightest men of his day became a a Christian in his 50s because his science convinced him of it. He found more evidence to point him towards a personal God than he found that pointed him away from it. But the trouble is that, that our doubts are simply a set of alternate beliefs. You can't doubt the resurrection of Jesus without holding a prior belief that Jesus didn't rise. You already believe in something. You surround yourself with evidence that supports that. You can't say there's no heaven and hell if you don't already believe its opposite. Sometimes in coming to Christ, you have to go back and unbelieve what you used to believe if you really want to follow the science where it goes. Concluding miracles cannot happen is not a neutral point of view at all. It is belief based on something faith based. You have faith to believe that these never actually happen. See, everything we believe is seen through the filter of your worldview and your family of origin. Everybody's belief is based in faith, if they're honest. If your dad didn't believe in God and thought that Christians were a bunch of morons or weak people, that is a faith belief. That is not based on hard science. That is based on something that he believes, based on his experience or his own family origin or his own worldview. You can't ultimately prove all things. The last step is a step of faith. Brian Walsh and J. Richard Middleton in the Transforming Vision book said this, that humans, you and I, that there's four questions, main questions that we're looking to answer. I thought this was really good. The first question is this, who am I? What's my purpose here? Why am I here? The second one is, where am I? What is the nature of the world that I live in? Number three, what's wrong? Now here's something I want you to land on today. What's wrong? You can feel it. There's something wrong in the world. There's something wrong in me. What keeps me from fulfillment? Number four, what is the remedy? Three, what is wrong? And number four, how do we fix it? Where's the salvation of all of this? How do we get there? See, everybody has doubts about what they believe from time to time. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith comes in spite of doubts. Faith comes over top of doubts often see even Darwin said this and I quote the most obvious and most gravest objection which can be urged against my theory in this he was talking about the missing evidence of transitional evolution he said there's so much inference the fossil records appear only before and after creating holes in its record now I'm not taking a, a swing at evolution and saying I'm not, but even Darwin had had questions and had doubts about his own theory because he's like there's this massive gap where we just can't find any evidence wow. It should at least urge a bit of caution rather than just swallowing the whole thing and saying like, okay, because it is still a theory that takes faith to believe in. Yes. So it should be tested scientifically and with evidence, and let's see where the evidence goes. But see, all knowledge depends on the validity of reasoning. Think about this. It's not just like, I believe in God. Why? And why do you trust you? Why do we trust a scientist? Why? Why? The validity of human reasoning. What if that is part of the problem? What if our own reasoning is to be questioned? It's weird that we believe things at all if it's survival of the fittest. How is self-sacrifice for others accomplished without beliefs? But beware those who decry Christianity because it is not reasonable or logical. Here's the deal. They would use this argument against You, as a Christ follower, they would say it's not reasonable and it's not logical because your reasoning is not reasonable and logical. If you came from an animal, why should we listen to you? Where did you get your higher order reasoning from if that's the only place that it came from? You just cut off the branch that you're sitting on. Well, we can't trust you because you're not being reasonable. Well, if you came from an animal, you're not reasonable either. Why do you trust you? Why do you even trust the whole premise of science? If you came from a monkey, if that's what you believe. You you can't argue. you got to argue against yourself with the same argument here. Basically this, if Christians can't be trusted with believing in the existence of God, how on earth could an atheist claim his belief is based on the same animal reasoning and it's better than yours? How do you know? Darwin said this, Within me the horrid doubt always arises whether the convictions of a man's mind which has been developed from the mind of lower animals are of any value or at all trustworthy. He wrestled with doubt too. Evolutionary theory comes built in with its own reasons not to believe it. We land on these kind of funny questions here, scientifically, and again, I can only like dip, we can just dip our our finger into the pond here, but how did non-living chemicals and elements become living cells? That doesn't happen anywhere. It doesn't happen without something being applied to it from outside of it. How do living cells randomly assemble into intelligent life forms without a force of some sort pushing it there? How did blind and random chemistry create beings who love, who have moral capabilities? If you're just a, a product of a scientific soup, why do you love people? If a child is drowning in a river, you'd risk your life to save that child. Why? Why would you? If you're just an experiment in a lab. Why would you even care about this sermon? Why would you even be here if you're just a product of that? Where did that even come from? If you're just random. But pick your theory and tell me how any scientific theory defeats the existence of God. Or tell you, and here's where I want to land today why you're here. Personally, I see a lot of people who have got so hung up in the how and the what that we've forgotten to ask why. Even as a child, I'm like, why am I here? It's the most important question. It's got to be the most important question. Why? Did I land on a faith in Jesus Christ because I'm weak and I just need something to live and die for? It needs to be asked. But believing that there is no God sure doesn't tell me why I'm here. If I'm my life is an accident, is your life an accident? All the pain. Just think about it. All the pain and joy and everything else. If you die and that's it, why? Tell me why. I've gone my whole life and I've never heard anything that satisfies the why outside of Jesus Christ. There's other people who are smarter than I am, but I got hung up on the one question. Why? No, I don't want to hear about everything else. Why? Then why? You're just here to have a good time? What? Our two-year-olds are here to have a good time. Time to grow up. That's the purpose of my whole life, is to have a good time? To not cause waves? Canadian culture? You first, you first. No, it's okay. No, yeah, no. It's, no. Oh, I totally see that. It makes sense. You're listening to somebody talk about hammering on your Christianity, you're all super nice to them because you don't have the guts to stand up and be like, but why? Why then? Tell me why. Answer the big question. Just jump to the big question. Tell me why we're here then. Did I just manufacture? I mean, I could have just manufactured a why to land in in, uh, faith and belief in Jesus, but what we're saying at Venue Church is that you can actually meet him. It's really hard to disbelieve somebody that you've met. It's really hard to be like, you haven't met Jesus. People will tell you that, like, well, but, you know, you just landed there and you're just like, meet Jesus and then tell me if he's real. That's why we create church in the way we create church, because we want you to feel something about God. Yeah. Like, look, love him or hate him, but don't do nothing with him. Yeah. Yeah. Love him or hate, love or hate us, but don't do nothing with us. Yeah. Come on, love or hate your neighbors. You know, let your neighbors love or hate you as a Christ follower, but don't do nothing. Nothing that challenges their eternity. What if the end of their life is the beginning of suffering, and, and it's totally against the plan of God who wanted to save them? Yeah. Tell me why. I know why. Bono? I found what you're looking for. (laughs) I have no (laughs) highest mountain. I I hate climbing mountains. I have run through the field. They make my eyes water in the summertime. Only to be with you. Genesis chapter one. Let's just land here. This is why. This is what the Bible says. This is where it started for us here. Outside of space and outside of time. In the beginning, God. Love him or hate him, but in the beginning, God. Don't ignore him. In the beginning, God. It's way too complicated just to have happened. Do you know why we really believe that? Because I don't have to change what I'm doing. I don't answer to anybody if there's no God. God. Now tell me who's weak. Now tell me who's being a coward. I believe that I answer to God. I believe that for my sins, my life, my life was gonna be asked for when I die. I believe that the only thing that can save me from my sins is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I believe I have to give up my life to Jesus to gain his life. I believe that that's a really good deal. I believe that that's the really good deal for you. I really believe that that's the best deal for everybody that you know. But in the beginning, we have to land that there is something outside of us who is calling us out, who is calling us on, who is calling us into your destiny, into purpose for your life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not either or. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and, and, and. It's not verses, it's and. Science And, God, you all come back next week. We're going to be asking the question, if God is good and if God is love, why is there so much suffering in the world? The answer, actually, is not as hard or as complicated as you think, but you got to come back next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person who's listening or watching, every person who's here. Every person in their teenage years, every person later in life, I'm asking Heavenly Father for every single person here to renew their commitment to God if they have one at all to make it stronger to solidify it to in spite of their doubts move into an area that requires faith and risk because the life of Jesus is anything but boring it is hard it is challenging it's exactly what I want for my kids it's exactly what I want for everybody that I know but fathers you've assigned adoption papers for every person that we know they just don't know yet they don't even know their need of it Most of them, Father. But I pray that we would live our lives as if we know the why and if we're living according to the purpose, which means it calls us to great sacrifice at times as followers of Jesus. It calls us to great tolerance and love, but it also calls us to truth. And when Jesus came, he was the perfect blend of grace and truth. And our Canadian society is way too grace-filled and not enough truth-filled because people are dying all around us and believing things that could be totally false. And if they're totally false, then the ramifications are for all of eternity. And that's what they believe because nobody's ever challenged them to dig a little deeper. And I pray for every person here that we would dig a little bit deeper. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for an anointing this week. I pray that your Holy Spirit would connect everybody this week with the person of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. This is why the early church became martyrs and why they spread the gospel in every corner of the world that they could get to at the time. It was not a system of beliefs. It was because they met the resurrected Jesus and he changed their lives forever. And that's what I pray for every person listening to me today. Amen.